Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the governor has directed Ohio schools to come up with a plan on how to help students catch up academically from the prolonged shutdown he ordered to begin with. How is that sitting with the state's educators? Also this morning, which path will you choose in order to reach your ultimate goals in life, the hard way or the easy way? A conversation with the author of Hard Easy. In our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, the season of Lent is a good time for a reminder of the redemptive moments in Scripture that prove God's grace is more than sufficient for both the massive and the minuscule challenges of life. And is the brutal winter weather starting to get you down? We have what you need for a little pampering and self-care. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for partly sunny skies today and a high of 18, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 14. The Finley Fire Department is asking people to be a good neighbor and to clear the snow from around the nearest fire hydrant. You know, they can really help their neighbors out, help themselves out, if they just take a few minutes and and make sure that that hydrant is, one, uh, visible, and two, accessible. Fire Chief Josh Eberly says the fire department has a crew going around town and clearing the snow from around hydrants, and he says it would be a big help if you could lend a hand as well. Get more details on our website. Ohio's adjustment of coronavirus deaths puts a different light on how the state is coming through the pandemic compared to neighboring states. The state announced this month that it had undercounted deaths by about 4,000, and those are being added to the overall count, which now stands at nearly 16,400. That puts Ohio's deaths higher than Michigan for the first time since the pandemic began, and eighth highest in the nation. The state's deaths per million residents continues to be below those of neighbors Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Indiana. Dave James, I went in news. Meantime, our recent snowstorm means some people will have to wait a little longer to get their COVID shot. Both Blanchard Valley Health System and Hancock Public Health postponed the clinics they had set for yesterday. The clinics have been rescheduled for next week. Get more on our website. Finley City Schools is looking for substitute teachers. I, I would take, you know, as many as we can get uh, because, like I said, there is a substitute shortage and there even was a shortage prior to the pandemic. So, you know, several of the people we interviewed, you know, can only work certain days. Uh, so, you know, we'll take as many as we can get. Superintendent Troy Roth says he was impressed with the quality of substitute teacher candidates they saw during a recent open interview night. He says the district has around 80 subs, but many decided to sit this school year out because of COVID, so he's hoping to get that number up to over 100. Get more details on our website about how to become a sub for Finley City Schools. And you can get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchak with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. 31 days until spring arrives. 31 days. So the countdown is on. Today is Ash Wednesday. Also, it is National Cabbage Day, National Café au lait Day, National Public Science Day, Random Acts of Kindness Day. It is also something called Who Shall I Be Day today. Who Shall I Be Day. Uh, I guess the idea is that, I don't know, I I haven't looked this up, but I'm guessing the idea uh, for young people is to consider who you want to be in life, what you want to do in your life. Who Shall I Be Day. And it is World Human Spirit Day today. So, reasons to celebrate on this uh, 17th day of February. 
Uh, if you have been, this is the uh, latest guidance or the latest admonition with respect to the coronavirus. It seems like every day there is something new here. If you have been cleaning your home more often during the pandemic, you are not alone, but it might not be such a good thing, especially if you or someone in your household has asthma. Researchers at the University of Illinois surveyed adults with asthma between May and September of last year. They found significant associations between uncontrolled asthma and frequent disinfectant use during the pandemic. The authors of the study suggest that increased use of household disinfectants could be causing the asthma flare-ups and that affected individuals should talk to their health care providers about safer cleaning alternatives. Not saying that you shouldn't clean your house, <laughs> although I suppose if you're looking for an excuse not to, here, here you have it. But that's not what they're saying. They should... Uh, they say you should talk to your healthcare provider about safer cleaning alternatives such as vinegar, water, and a drop of dish, dish detergent, 70% alcohol, or hydrogen peroxide. So there are alternatives. Um, but uh, make sure that. So that is, uh, it seems like every day there is something new. They say, do this. No, oh, don't do that. Clean your home more often. No, don't clean your home more often. I don't know. I don't know. Um, this is kind of interesting. Again, talking about stories that go against maybe everything that we have thought in the past. Americans tend to, what is your, let me, let me ask you this. What is your biggest meal of the day? It's dinner, isn't it? I mean, for most Americans, dinner is the largest meal of the day. But experts say, that the largest meal you consume during the course of the day should be lunch. Uh, Patrick Okolo III, chief gastroenterology, uh, chief of gastroenterology for Rochester Regional Health, said it's important. He says it's important to note the implications of eating our largest meal in the day. Um, Let's try that again. Should note the implications of eating our largest meal, latest, uh, the making it the latest one in the day, from a digestive standpoint, as well as overall health perspective, as we don't metabolize food as well at night because of the normal natural rhythm of the body. He says, um, having our largest meal at night can lead to sleep disturbances as well, including acid reflux and other long-term digestive problems. Researchers note that the midday meal was once the heaviest, and the shift towards evening, big evening meals came due to how and where we work. As Americans started commuting greater distances for, uh, to their jobs, it became impossible to follow the older established tradition of going home at midday to eat a large meal at lunch. And so this naturally shifted the big meal to the end of the day, when everyone in the household was home. Uh, Dr. Okolo says, since everyone has different schedules, we should just make sure our largest meal of the day is consumed at our most active time of the day. So, again, going against everything that we have thought for the entirety of our lives. Earth-shattering news there. A couple of other uh, interesting stories. Among the first things you need to know this morning, 
from the dinosaurs perspective not much has changed scientists still think an enormous chunk of rock slammed into earth and triggered a cataclysmic explosion that wiped that wiped out the prehistoric creatures however a new study out of harvard challenges the theory about the origins of that space rock this is according to a report from uh, npr the researchers say the the impact was not from a mammoth asteroid that originated from relatively nearby somewhere between mars and jupiter but instead from a smaller comet that hailed from much further away specifically a region known as the oort cloud at the edge of the solar system oort cloud o o r t that sounds like something out of not even Star Trek. Oort cloud. That sounds like something out of Mork and Mindy. <laughs> the Oort cloud. The edge of the solar system. This, uh, according to a piece in the Harvard Gazette, under this theory, the comet was whizzing along when it got knocked off course by Jupiter's gravity and sent near the sun, whose forces caused the comet to fragment. Fragment. And one of those fragments about the size of the city of Boston, hit the coast of Mexico, hit off the coast of Mexico, and caused what has become known as the Chicxulub Crater. And that is what did in the dinosaurs. So, that seems like a fairly big story. Learning what did in the dinosaurs. I don't know. And uh, this... This I, it was a story that kind of made me chuckle. Um, speaking of space and uh, things like that. You know, Elon Musk has been spending lots and lots of money to get his SpaceX company up and running. He's done a very good job. Um, and you know that, uh, what is it, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates... I have all been kind of going back and forth, swapping places on the list of richest people in the world. For a while, it's Elon Musk, and then it's Jeff Bezos, and for a while, it was uh, Bill Gates. Well, this I thought was kind of interesting. Bill Gates said uh, on the podcast Sway on Monday that he would rather spend his money here on Earth on things like vaccines instead of trying to reach Mars like Elon Musk. Uh Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have both spent billions of dollars on space travel with the ultimate goal of establishing space colonies, maybe going to Mars. When asked why he is not involved in the new billionaire-driven space race, uh, Bill Gates said, I am just not a Mars person. I don't think rockets are the solution. He said instead he wants to use his money to address some of humanity's greatest challenges, including climate change, uh, which he tackles in his new book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. So he's kind of promoting his new book. But he did credit Tesla for the strides it has made on electric cars. Um, but at the same time, he's like, I am, I'm not a Mars person. I'd rather spend my money on right here on Earth. Does it sound like there's a bit of, I don't want to say jealousy, but a little bit of you know tit-for-tat going on between... <laughs> the world's richest people. You wonder if there is, you know, some, I don't know, hard feelings about, you know, Elon Musk overtaking it. It just seems to me like there's, a, you know, 
I don't know. Uh, you know how, again, you're not, not jealous of somebody, uh, but you like to put somebody down if you think they have more than you do. <laughs> in, in the case of Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, uh, it's uh, going back and forth uh, about the space race instead of sharing your toys. But anyway, it just it struck me as rather rather humorous what the uh, uber-rich get together and gossip about. Anyway, there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting, most buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. So last week, the governor directed Ohio schools to come up with plans for how to help students who have fallen behind catch up academically with all of the uh, prolonged shutdowns. Joining us this morning is the superintendent of Liberty Benton Local Schools, Mark Kowalski. And Mark, I, it is good to recognize that this is an issue, that some students have uh, really struggled with the uh, remote learning and have uh, had some academic challenges. But it, it, the irony is not lost. Uh, the governor uh, saying that schools have to come up with this plan to counterbalance the shutdowns that he ordered to begin with. So how is this... Uh, being taken or how is this going over with educators and administrators uh, such as yourself? Well, um, <laughs> let's just say, first of all, what he, uh, Governor DeWine uh, said last uh, February 9th in his press conference kind of took everybody um, by surprise, unlike some things that have happened in the last year since March 13th. Um, okay, so um, we're vetting through that process. BASA, which is the uh, Superintendents Association set a communication shortly after he uh, made that announcement and said that they were totally caught off guard by the announcement. So right now there are no definitive plans. They were supposed to follow that up this week. Um, the governor's office and the Department of Education with some distinct um, outlines for the plan. And right now the plan is not even mandatory. It may be in proposed legislations coming up. We do not know that. Hmm. Um, we recognize that there's gaps in learning. Yeah. Okay, we, we recognize that as a district. Um, I'll give you an example, Chris. This year on our, our, our third grade reading uh, guarantee, reading promotion test in the fall, um, we were at 53% passage rate, and that's the first attempt for our kids in the fall. Normally, we're in the low 70s on the first attempt. Wow. The state average was 37%. I mean, we're still 16 points above the state average, but we, we, you know, we're not going to worry about that. We're going to look at what we can do for the other 47% of those right. kids. Now, they right. waived, that, waived that requirement last year and let, let local districts make those decisions if, if kids would be promoted to the fourth grade. But, you know, we but realize that doesn't that change the fact. learning. We've been assessing uh, kids uh, all along through some of the tools that we have. Yeah. But, yes, we were, we were caught off guard. Um, there's supposed to be a template coming out uh, this week. 
Um, obviously, I'll be honest with you, I don't see it happening this week, Chris. You know, Columbus was in shutdown mode yesterday with the weather, right, and, right. and uh, yeah. I think things are, are a little bit behind. But now, uh, I think the, the premise of it's good, but again, uh, something that uh, the governor kind of threw on us, and we realize that there's a need for it, so we'll work through and vet through that process, but it's very, very in the infancy stages right now, even though that there's supposedly an April 1 deadline. Yeah, it's as you mentioned, it is good that there is the recognition that this is an issue because you remember when all of this started, most of the concern uh, was about the experiences that kids were going to be missing out on, the sports, prom, graduation, uh ceremonies all sure, the pomp social, and circumstance social and emotional learning exactly and not and and that's and that's a concern but now it does seem that that people are are recognizing more that there are uh, more serious issues uh, academically that kids uh, are missing out on and as you mentioned waiving requirements does not uh uh, d- does not mean that the kids are are, are not losing that academic uh, progress i mean you can waive the requirements uh but at the end of the day, uh, that doesn't do anything to improve academic pro- uh, progress. 100%. 100%. I agree with you in, in that matter. I mean, we are, okay, we are entering spring testing season coming up here in, 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 towards the end of March and, and throughout April into, into May. We want those tests to happen at Liberty Benton. We want to see where we're at. We just don't want those tests right now to count towards the report card. We believe it's a very unfair, good point. Yeah. But we want to see where we're at. Where to find out at? where you're, to find out where things stand. How far? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, how far behind? What is again absent those <laughs> those test results and and so on? Right. What does your uh, anecdotal uh, evidence tell you? How far behind are kids? And is it different by age groups? I mean, do you see elementary school students further behind than say high school students where they should be, or vice versa? You know, I really, that is, that's going to be go down to the individual student. There are some students, obviously, that learn better in, in, a, in let's just say, our non-traditional mode now, our remote learning piece. Um, and I'll give you an example. When we decided what type of mode we were going to go to in hybrid, meaning the half days, five days a week, our administrative team thought that we needed to see those kids in those buildings you know, as many days a week as possible to connect and keep those relationships. And really, it was elementary driven because we could spend two and a half to two hours and 45 minutes a day on math and reading with those elementary students and trying to make up for some of those gaps. Actually got as much, if not a little bit more than they would on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, it's a, it's on a student by student um yeah. basis so uh it, it it's 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 we we knew going in it's it's just not the same and and, and the, what you get out of the regular day with the social and emotional learning the relationship building uh with those students we're going to have gaps we're yeah. going to have gaps and that- another thing is the governor said that in this we have the ess um our money which most people refer to quote unquote as the cares act money mm. it's elementary it's the um, elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds. Um, so that was uh, given to us uh, on it, and it's basically different per district. Um, so you know that's what they want you to direct some of those funds to, but yeah. they didn't. 
really, it's very, the follow-up to the governor's uh, press conference has not come yet. Let's just throw that right, out there. Right, Um So what would be on the table? What would you think would be on the table? I mean, the governor, uh, in making the announcement last week, uh, uh, proposed a couple of things, talking about uh, extending the school year, perhaps, or implementing summer classes. Uh, I, I know that there are challenges in, in both of those scenarios, but what would you uh, suggest or what would you think would be on the table in order to help Help these students catch up academically. Um, I don't. I don't see extending the school year for us. I, we do have some summer reading programs right now. I could see that being intensified. Mm-hmm. The summer reading programs. I could see some after-school uh, tutoring programs. Maybe um, you know for the not. I can't say for the rest of the year, but when we finally receive the final directives from that point on as far as tutoring goes, mm-hmm. uh, with that, possibly possibly some increased uh, staff to provide intervention for those students throughout the school day. Okay, we're going to be entering spring here also. Um, you, you, so we got to be cognizant of the fact that as we move forward, kids need to play also, okay? Mm-hmm. This has been a time where we need to get back to our normal, and some of our normal is, is going home and playing after school. We can't have you in school to six o'clock at night all the time. Right. So and we're gonna we're gonna vet through that as a, as a, as a team, uh, as an administrative team, and uh, really see when the final directive uh, comes down from the governor, and if it if if in fact it makes uh, legislation. We have some plans. Um, you know, we're assessing our, our students uh, as much as possible in the elementary, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Obviously, the spring tests are right around the corner. But, uh, hey, it's it's really great intentions, but let's just follow up with some, yeah. some clear you, directions uh, for for the district you make a uh, good, throughout, throughout the state. You make a good point, too, that this may very well, this catch-up, uh, whatever uh, plans that are implemented to help uh, students catch up academically, that may actually uh, go into the next year. We shouldn't expect to be able to catch everybody up by the end of this academic year or the beginning of uh, the next one. This may go on uh, for quite some time. And I know the the other thing that, again, early on uh, in the shutdown, there was some discussion of, hey, is this uh, going to be the new normal that we have some sort of hybrid learning, that we have days where students attend classes remotely. Um, are, are you at this point, knowing what you know now, uh, rethinking that idea that maybe uh, this isn't such a, a good idea outside of maybe extreme cases of uh, avoiding a calamity day altogether? Well, obviously, the optimal thing for us is to get back in every day, five days a week, and and be able to do, um, be able to be there for those students um, throughout the school day and in, in, in our school community and our families and get back to the normal. Uh, today, for example, we're in calamity day six. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and this is remote learning day one for us. So one, if we were one-to-one technology, you know, our K through eight students had iPads and our nine, 12 uh, students uh, all had laptops. So prior going into this, uh, if one thing's going to come out of this, I think we've got better with technology as a staff and as and, and, and students with learning. So I think that's a positive that's come out of this whole thing. But it would be nice to get back to normal. I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not the new normal guy. <laughs> okay, I would love to see 
you know, I, I love to see the hustle and bustle in the hallways and the kids at recess and, and learning and doing experiments in the science classrooms. Well, um, yeah. And, and just, hey, if I'm having a bad day, I want to go down and sit in the back of somebody's classroom and see that personal interaction that they're having with students. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's the things that, that I want to see and I believe that we're missing. Uh, and, I, and I think that we do a pretty darn good job at Liberty Benton building those relationships with those kids. Again, uh, Liberty Benton School Superintendent Mark Kowalski uh, this morning talking about the uh, governor's uh, directive for Ohio schools to come up with a plan on how to help students who have fallen behind academically during the prolonged shutdown. Uh, Mark, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, Chris, as always, I appreciate it. And uh, go Eagles. We'll see you Friday night. How's that? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, the other thing, and, and uh, Mark brings up a, a good point uh, as well. It's not just the uh, in-person instruction, but, you know, these uh, remote learning uh, scenarios don't often uh, afford students the opportunity to work in, in groups. I remember, you know, in, in school, particularly in science classes, we had uh, group uh, projects uh, that we that we had to work on and can't really do that very well, or you'd go over uh, a cram session for a, before a big test with a group of friends and study, uh, maybe pull an all-nighter. Again, those are the things that are tougher to do because of the uh, situation uh, now. So, again, a lot of different dynamics uh, that, that students are uh, losing out on uh, because of the uh, current uh, situation. It would be good to get things back to normal, but there is that academic issue that needs to be addressed. More on our webpage, go to goodmornings.net. Well, we've talked several times over the past couple of weeks about rebooting those New Year's resolutions because by now, statistics show that 80% or more of those goals that people started at, at, at the end of the year with the best of intentions have fallen by the wayside. And this, I think, is maybe the perfect culmination of that conversation about getting back on track. Arthur F. Coombs III is the author of the new book, Hard Easy, A Get Real Guide for Getting the Life you want and art explain the title first of all what do you mean by hard easy <laughs> not a problem i i have a philosophy that i live by and it simply is this <clears throat> that you can live your life one of two ways you can live hard easy or you can live easy hard it's your life it's your choice and simply put that we make decisions every single day, making the hard decision first, doing hard things first, lead to easy later. If we make easy decisions first, hard follows. So, so let me give you a couple examples, real, real life examples. My kids, they wanna come home from school and they wanna play video games all night, all afternoon and all evening. And I say to him, that's easy. I know. I get it. I was your age. I promise I was your age. I love to procrastinate. I hated homework. But if we do that, if we make the easy choice of playing games, you will have to live hard come test time or when you apply for college. Hard is always a consequence of making easy decisions up front. So that's really kind of the mantra of the book, that it's time to stop saying that you'll get to it someday, I'll start tomorrow, there's really no time like the present to get up off your backside and, and turn tomorrow into today, basically. 
one of my favorite chapters, and I wrote the book, one of my favorite chapters was chapter 10. And it's all about, I can't because. It's all about the excuses that we cling to that prevent us, we do it to ourselves, that prevent us from being the best versions of ourselves. And I'll give you an example. I have dyslexia, fairly severe dyslexia. For 25 years, all through elementary school, junior high, high school, and even the first part of college, I went to a junior college, even that first part, I just, I relegated myself to, I'm not that good. I can't read as fast as other kids. I can't write as well as other kids. Therefore, I am scholastically going to be mediocre. Mm-hmm. It's just the way I was born. And people use that excuse all the time, right? The nature-nurture excuse. Right. It's the way I was born, it's the way I am, or it's the way I was raised. It's just who I am. But we have to bust through those excuses, especially when you're referring to New Year's resolutions. We make excuses and they sort of seep in, especially this time of year, right around February, all of those New Year's resolutions sort of start waning and we start making easy decisions to sort of let those, all our goals sort of slip away and we say, oh, well, next year we'll get after it. Yeah. A couple of uh, concepts that you talk about in the book that I want to explore in particular, and one kind of refers to what you were saying earlier, and that is turning away Mm -hmm. from uh, instant gratification. We are kind of conditioned, especially in this day and age, to want and expect everything instantly. We've got instant information. We've got instant food. We've got, you know, uh, instant uh, streaming, watch whatever we want on TV, instant, instant, instant. How do we overcome that that human desire to want instant results without putting uh, putting in the hard work that goes along with those successful results? Well, I, I think the very first thing is just acknowledging it. I, I quote in one of my my favorite studies that I talk about in the book is this study that was done where they measured man's, humans, man and women's, they measured our attention span. And in 1985, the average human had an attention span of about 15 seconds. And what that, what that means is you could hold your thought, hold your attention, but then something is going to come into your mind about every 15 seconds and try to capture the stage. And you have to repel that and say, no, nope, get it out of there. I'm still focused on X, not mm-hmm. Y. Right. They measured, they measured it again in the year 2000, 2005, 2010. And what they have found is our attention span is shrinking. Now, what's fascinating is the shrink started to happen right around the year 2000, 2001. Now, many hypothesize that that is right when these cell phone PDA devices mm. came out and everything was right at our fingertips. We don't have to think long-term, and we're stimulated instantly by video and video and this and this and short, and all these things are bombarding our brains. I think we've lost the touch of thinking long, deep, uh, about things in a deep and a long manner. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. It's hard for kids to hold their attention that long. So anyway, back to your question, 
the, the very first thing is just to recognize that it's there and then slowly build up. You know, just I, I talk about it in the book, take your, go up to your, go to a place where you're all alone out back or in the park or up in a bedroom high in, the, in your house in the attic or something. I don't care in the basement. Leave your phone outside <laughs> the room right? and try focusing on a subject for just five minutes. Just five minutes. And, and if the study is correct, about 47 times something else is going to come into your mind. You have to try to repel that. Wash it out of your mind. Stay focused on the subject that you have at hand. It's a hard task, but mm. you can do it. And I would imagine that would be something that would get easier each time you do it, after you've kind of conditioned yourself like, to, to push that out. Just like, yeah, absolutely. Just like an athlete who learns to run. You know, you don't go out and run a marathon. Right? Just, I'm going to go run a marathon. Mm-hmm. You build up to that. Well, and An athlete who lifts weights. Yeah. And, and that kind of uh, ties into the the second concept that I wanted to, to ask you to talk about, and and that is uh, of setting big picture goals. Because one of the things that we have heard time and time again is we need to set little goals along the way so that we do get some sense of success that we can continue to build on, and maybe that's playing into that need for short term gratification. Uh, but it, there is uh, some truth to that if you don't get. Uh, some level of gratification in achieving those steps along the way, you're much less likely to accomplish your ultimate goal. But you're pointing out here that you do, in fact, need to have an ultimate goal, not just a series of little ones. Yes, it's important to have an ultimate goal. No question about it. But in my book, I also talk, it's the micro decisions that are the big decisions. We, it, it is, it's, it's not, so yes, my son wants to go to college and that's an easy thing. That's a, that's a nice, big, audacious goal, Mm -hmm. but the hard ones are, what are you going to do about your homework? What are you going to do about your test, about your, your report that you have to write tonight? That's the goal that you have to do right now. And if you take an, a bunch, a whole bunch, an accumulation of all those little micro decisions the big decision will take care of itself. You know, my dad used to always say, my dad used to always say that if you want to marry a queen, first become the king. And becoming a king is a, is a, a collection of a whole bunch of just decisions about how you live your life and who you want to be. And, by the way, this is all based, it says here, on the neuroscience behind everyday decision making. This isn't just something that you came up with out of the blue or through anecdotal research. I, I wish I wish I were that smart. No, <laughs> I do. Uh, I I I am I observe. I uh, I observe my own family, my kids, the people in my office. I, I observe all that's around me. But more than that, I try to back it up and say, okay, that makes sense to me. But is there science? Is there are there studies? Are there things behind this that will back up what I think I'm seeing here? And so I try to use a lot of studies in the book to sort of corroborate that. Again, it is called Hard Easy, a get real guide for getting the life you want. Art Coombs is the author. And do you have a website uh, in conjunction with the book we can guide folks to for uh, more information? Uh, 
I do. You can go to artcombs.com. That's just all one word, A-R-T-C-O-O-M-B-S, all one word, dot com. Or you can hit me on Instagram, which is Arthur F. Coombs on Instagram. We will link up to those resources on our website. Uh, certainly a great book to pick up if you need to get some uh, extra motivation for a reboot of your uh, goals for the new year or uh, whatever it might happen to be in your life. So many people uh, now finding their lives have been upended in some way uh, over the course of the past year. So uh, you would think that just about everybody can certainly use the principles in this book. Art, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And now to today's installment of our ongoing Keeping the Faith series. It is Ash Wednesday, beginning of the Lenten season, which is a good time for a reminder of the redemptive moments in Scripture that prove God's grace is more than sufficient for both the massive and the minuscule challenges we have in our lives. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. Lisa Harper is a familiar name for her Bible teaching, her speaking at conferences, her radio and TV appearances, and all of her previous books. Her latest is Life, with a very long subtitle that surprised her that the publisher authorized. I was surprised they let me keep it because the subtitle is, you know, it's, it's definitely... Um, What's well, not quite as sage as you would think the subtitle of a devotional should would be. It's it's an obsessively grateful, undone by Jesus, genuinely happy and not faking it through the hard stuff. Kind of a hundred day devotional. So why did the publisher allow the long subtitle? My reason for that was that I think there are a lot of people who just that you know they think there's no way that I could actually be in good standing with a perfect God because there are too many mistake chapters in my story. This is Lisa Harper's first devotional. You know, John Calvin talks about the Psalms and says that the Psalms present an anatomy of all parts of the soul. And I thought, thematically, I would like to write a devotional like that, a devotional that really explored all the chapters of our lives as Christ followers and how even when we're discouraged, God is sufficient and he's, he's accessible. Life is a 100-day devotional that includes the harried, hard, and even humorous stuff of our lives. I think it's incumbent upon us as Christ followers to, um, to not only live Jesus-shaped lives, but to be transparent, to be honest. I had a mentor tell me about 20 years ago, she said, Lisa, people are not nearly as interested in where you've gotten it right as they are in where you've gotten it wrong, and God has redeemed your mistakes. Lisa Harper has a message for potential readers even before they pick up a copy of Life. I really wanted people to feel safe before they even opened this book, and I think just that that kind of little tongue-in-cheek humor helps people go, oh, this isn't going to be one of those stiff, archaic devotionals. This, this is going to be honest. As Lisa Harper began to work on this devotional, she had a prayer that on every page, readers would understand her desire to be transparent. I do think it's incumbent, not in any way to, to glorify sin, 
but to buy our lives and our testimonies to be able to genuinely say, I messed up, but God's grace is greater still. Lisa Harbour tells us her years of living helped her write life. Despite my seasons of faithlessness and my seasons of doubt, when I look back over my life, I cannot ever recognize a period of God's absence. What she has learned is about the kindness of God that she wants for the readers of life. His immutable grace and compassion is what I am most grateful for. You know, it'd be one thing if God loved us when we deserved it. That, to me, wouldn't be an amazing gospel if it was based on deservedness. The fact that He loves us as much when we are messing up as He does when we're living lives that are keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, that, that is really what keeps me in the posture of gratitude, just discombobulated with gratitude over the kindness of God. While writing the 100-day devotional life, Lisa Harper often wondered how God is using her. It's not that difficult to to remember that I don't deserve a microphone. I don't deserve a stage or a platform to talk about the goodness of God. And in 1 Corinthians, it says he uses the weak and the foolish to illuminate his power and his wisdom. So the fact that I get to be in ministry and Sometimes that means a lot of people listen or or watch or hear. Uh, I mean, to me, that's just, that epitomizes grace. Life is by B&H Publishing. This is John Clemens reporting. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. This is another one of those uh, stories. By the way, uh, today's uh, broken news, uh, the uh, latest update on the odd and unusual side of the news, uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. This is another one of those uh, stories, mistaken identity type of stories, that nonetheless had to be kind of freaky to find. The California Highway Patrol said a trucker called in uh, 911 reporting seeing a dismembered body dismembered body parts floating in the water by the Arch Road on-ramp near Highway 99 in Stockton, California. A report of dismembered body parts floating in the water. When troopers arrived, they found (laughs) multiple mannequin torsos along with arms and legs, (laughs) is what it actually was. It was just a bunch of mannequins that somebody had tossed into the water. Uh, The... uh, Troopers uh, posted about the scene on Facebook saying it was the result of uh, the lovelorn Stockton Kraken going on a Valentine's Day killing spree. Mannequin parts were removed uh, to prevent more motorists from calling 911 to report them. So, thank goodness, a it was just a case of mistaken identity, but still, that had to be a little freaky for the truck driver to see that. Well, I just thought I'd... I'd call in. I think I saw dismembered body parts floating in the water there. Crazy. Um, But all's well that ends well. We do have a a couple of stories that are weather-related in the broken news. Uh, this, This out of the Ukraine. I love this story. Authorities say that one man went to extreme lengths uh, just to get authorities to clear the snow from his local road. Apparently, the unidentified man called the cops, told him he had killed his mother's boyfriend, and asked them to bring a snowplow because it was difficult to reach his home. (laughs) 
They got out there in a hurry. <laughs> Officers made it to the house uh, just to find uh, an SUV stuck in the snow and the supposed victim alive and well. The alleged <clears throat> killer, quote, quote unquote killer, then admitted he made up the story because he was unhappy with how long it was taking city workers to plow the snow in his neighborhood. <laughs> well, it worked. He was fined for making a false complaint, but <laughs> he did he did get his snow plowed. Not the preferred method, though. I, I think that local authorities would agree that's probably not the best way uh, to get these snow plows down your street in a hurry. But it did work. Uh, speaking of the uh, snowstorm, this is a snowstorm that has impacted like 90% of the country, something like that, um, from Maine to Texas and even the Pacific Northwest. A rare winter storm that dumped a foot of snow on Seattle could not keep one woman from getting from keeping her appointment to get the coronavirus vaccine. The Seattle Times reports that Fran Goldman walked six miles, walked six miles round trip in the snow just to get her shot. She finally had secured a slot. Uh, for Sunday morning, but Friday and Saturday, a strong winter storm moved through the region, turning the city's normally rainy streets into a winter scene of snowdrifts. But Ms. Goldman, dressed in fleece pants and a short sleeve shirt so that the nurse could get to her arm easily, had <laughs> a short sleeve, she braved the elements to get out there and get her shot. By the way, I should mention she is 90 years old. 90 years old, walking six miles round trip to get her shot. I mean, that's nothing. I, I'm sure that they did that uh, every day when she was in school. <laughs> walk, walk six miles in the snow, round trip, uphill both ways. She did it to get her shot anyway. <laughs> and finally, in the broken news this morning... This is a great story. I love hearing stories uh, like this. You hear them every now and then in the in the news. A postcard mailed by a soldier during World War II finally arrived at its intended destination in Liverpool, England, more than 77 years later. The letter, sent in 1943 by then 20-year-old Royal Navy recruit Bill Myler Caldwell, after completing his first week of training in the Royal Navy, was addressed to his uncle Fred, who had served in the Navy during the First World War. Both of them are now long gone. But the postcard was found on Friday by a relative of Mr. Caldwell, who still lives at the property to which it was addressed. It's a you know family home. has been in the family for years. This family still lives there. It is unclear... Where the postcard has been all these years, Mr. Caldwell wrote the postcard at the beginning of his military career during which he would go on to be involved with the D-Day landings and the ground invasion of Nagasaki after the dropping of the atomic bomb. His daughter tells local news reporters, when I saw it, I thought this was my dad talking. It was like having uh, my dad talking. I could hear his voice reading the postcard. The whole family is just staggered, amazed. My dad wasn't really a letter writer, she said, which makes this all the more special. She said it is lovely to see his 
proper cursive handwriting. A spokesperson for the Royal Mail in Great Britain says it is difficult to speculate on what may have happened to this particular item of mail, although it was likely put back into the postal system by someone who came across it recently rather than it being lost or stuck somewhere in the network. But that is an awesome story. Isn't that fabulous? I love hearing stories like that. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. A public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM, online at WFIN.com, and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. So here is the question. What are, what are those things that once upon a time you would do without even giving a second thought that now, given what we have been through with the pandemic and all that we have learned about how viruses are spread that you will never ever ever do again um a survey of 2000 adults found that moving forward uh, millions uh, of us you, know, you can extrapolate that out they didn't survey millions they surveyed 2000 people they say they will never again share a drink hug or kiss a stranger or try on someone else's glasses some of the most you know, right up the at the top of the list of things that we will never do again. Again, things that we probably wouldn't have given a second thought to before all of this, we'll never do again. Moving forward, 8 in 10 will consciously try to not share any item with another person. Uh, three quarters, 73%, will always maintain a social distance from those that they don't know. One in four adults, one quarter of us, will not reach into someone else's chip bag or popcorn, you know, bucket of popcorn to, to grab a handful. Never do that again. One third, one in three, will no longer sneak a bite out of somebody else's sandwich. <laughs> or you do that in a restaurant, you know, just have eating out with somebody and say, ooh, that looks good. Well, go ahead, have a bite. No, never do that again. Uh, some of the other things that people say they will never do ever again moving forward. Uh, free samples at the grocery store? Forget about it. Borrowing someone else's lip balm or chapstick? Um, I got to say, I never did that before. It, my, my, maybe my wife's. But outside of that, yeah. uh, standing close to someone at the Grocery checkout, that goes back to the keeping social distance, even after all of this is over. 25%, one in four, cannot see themselves surrounded by others at a busy pub ever again, even after all the restrictions are lifted. And 21%, one in five, intend to avoid buffet-style restaurants at all costs. And that's me. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. No, thank you. I've never been a bu- big buffet person to begin with, but absolutely never again. Salad bar? 
do it yourself, you know, serve yourself salad bar, forget about it. Not happening. Interesting survey there. We've all heard it said that it's better to give than receive, but we're going to turn that on its head this morning because after all we've been through over the past year, it is perfectly acceptable to treat yourself to a little extra self-care and self-indulgence, especially now during the cold winter months. Here with what you need to do that this morning is beauty and wellness expert Grace Gold. Give us a refresh as we wait for spring to arrive. And Grace, from the looks of things right now, we have a ways to wait yet. Yes. Well, you know, Chris, winter is on our doorstep and we want to think about those healthy habits to make us feel better this time of year. And I just added a new one to my daily routine that's making me feel so much better. It's called Zycam Nasal All Clear Swabs, and it's the only patented swab technology with a triple action formula to cleanse, soothe, and protect to help your nose feel clean, clear, and moisturized. They are individually sealed single-use swabs with menthol to ease nasal dryness and irritation caused by congestion, so it gives you that cooling sensation for fast, effective relief that just feels so good this time of year. Skin care. Want to talk about skin care more important than than ever. Obviously, you know, this time of year, we definitely have to pay attention to our skin with all the cold, dry air uh, and feeling good physically can lead to feeling good mentally. So what is your advice here? Yeah, so just like we update our wardrobe and get out those scarves and those gloves, we want to update our skincare as well. The cold air can make you dry and itchy and your skin needs hydration. A perfect solution this winter is CeraVe Itch Relief Moisturizing Lotion. It's got three essential ceramides to replenish and restore skin's natural protective barrier. It is clinically tested to provide relief for dry, itchy skin. And if you are prone to eczema or itchy, sensitive skin, you know how important quick relief is. So... I love that they've de- developed this with dermatologists to help relieve itching within two minutes for most people, and it can last up to eight hours. Now, the word uh, of the year is stress. What do you have for relieving stress? Yeah, so I know a lot of people say just chill out, but you know, you might actually want to do the opposite. I really love heat therapy this time of year, and one of my favorites is Healthy Lines Portable Collection. It is actually the world's first line of portable heat therapy products to make several high-end spa and wellness therapies available at home or on the go. They've got seven models to choose from that harness the healing power of heated gemstones. That will offer temporary targeted pain relief to problem areas like your hands, feet, shoulders, back, and neck. And what is special about it, Chris, is it has far infrared heat, so that is going to penetrate deeper than your conventional heating pad. And lastly, again, this goes back to that you look good, you feel good. Uh, What about hair care? Yeah, so who doesn't want full and healthy hair? You know, the good news is you don't have to tear your hair out finding a solution. Now (laughs) is a great time of year to start a good supplement. And one of the best out there is Viviscal Hair Growth Supplements. They are clinically proven to and specifically formulated for women who want stronger, healthier, thicker hair in as little as three months. Now, it's got an exclusive active ingredient called Aminomar plus key vitamins and minerals to nourish thinning hair and promote hair growth as well. 
And to kind of circle back to what we mentioned at the outset, it is okay to put ourselves at the top of the list sometimes for a little self-care and pampering. You can attest to that. Absolutely. You want to take that moment for yourself to really disconnect every day, whether that means shutting off your devices. Maybe you you want to go and get away from the kids just for a few (laughs) minutes. It is so important because if we don't, you know, repower our batteries, we're kind of like our phones. You know, our our phones need to recharge. Well, we need to recharge as well. That's right. And if we don't tend to that ourselves, no one else will. So something to keep in mind there. Uh, as well. Don't feel guilty about the beauty and wellness expert Grace Gold with what you need for that self-care this morning. Grace, thanks very much. Thank you, Chris. And that will put a wraps on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for being with us as always. Remember, more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage, goodmornings.net. So check that out coming up tomorrow on the show. Surveys show that many Americans want to continue working remotely at least part of the time moving forward, but beware your homeowner's insurance policy may not cover that scenario. What you need to know if you are part of the remote workforce of the future. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.